Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer, Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon, Welcome Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we Sports Podcast presented by Betfred Sportsbook. It is Tuesday, November 8th. 2022 that is right an election day special here on the Aaron sports podcast I vote for you thank you for your guys and girls support hope all of you are having a good election day maybe some of you are listening at the polls and we got a jam-packed episode of the Aaron sports podcast because guess what college hoops has started so here's what we're going to talk about on today's show we are going to open with a little college football bring a conversation to this show that I actually had on my radio show Saturday night where I asked my radio partner, Jason Martin, a very simple question. Nick Saban, does he win another national championship at Alabama? I think your default is, of course he's going to win one. He's Nick Saban. But the bottom line, I think this one's a little bit more complicated than maybe a lot of people do. I'll explain why. From there, we will talk a little college football recruiting. Now, we don't do a ton of recruiting on this show, but on Monday, Texas A&M lost the commitment of a five-star player linebacker Anthony Hill, I think this might be the first sign of what could be a chaotic few weeks at Texas A&M as the fallout from, of course, the struggles on the field this year could be felt. Are they going to lose some guys to the transfer portal? We'll discuss all that. And from there, we will talk a little college hoops, give you some day one reactions from Monday. And oh, by the way, on top of that, we will also give you my final four and national championship picks I think you're going to be stunned when I tell you who I got. But with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, listen, we are now 72 hours removed from that Alabama LSU thriller. LSU wins 32 to 31 in overtime. But I really think the last day or so has really been just about kind of the hangover from that game. Everybody's having the same conversations about the present of Alabama, the future of Alabama. And if anything, it is because this wasn't just one loss for Alabama. This was really the crescendo or really, if you're a Bama fan, rock bottom of what has become just a disappointing, forgetful, forgettable, I should say, two-year run for Alabama. Yes, they played for a national championship last year, but they struggled all season long. We've been over a two-point win against Florida, four-overtime win against Alabama, loss at Texas A&M. You get to that SEC championship game, you win it, but then you lose in the title game. You think, okay, this year things are going to be different. We got a Heisman Trophy quarterback back. We got our star defensive end, Will Anderson, who should have been a Heisman finalist back this year as well. Uh, we we killed it in the portal with Jameer Gibbs and Jermaine Burton and all these guys. This is the year that it gets figured out at Alabama. Instead, it's been much the same. One-point win against Texas that they easily could have lost. Four-point win on the final play against Texas A&M, and I get that they had a backup quarterback. But with the second loss, as I said on Monday's show, first time since 2010, Alabama has more than one loss before Thanksgiving. And more importantly, they are completely out of the playoff picture for just the second time in the history of the playoff. And remember, even the year that they missed it in 2019, they were ravaged by injuries, most notably with Tua. 
And if two was healthy, they probably make it. They might be the second best team in the country that year. So it's been a crazy two-year run at, uh, at Alabama. It's been no doubt disappointing for this championship program. And so I think the conversation then turns to, okay, how does it get fixed and what's next? We talked about a lot of that on Monday. I'm not going to reiterate it here. I think it starts with the co- with the coordinator positions at Alabama. I don't think Nick Saban has either guy in the right spot. I don't think Bill O'Brien's the answer at offensive coordinator. I don't think Pete Golding is the answer at defensive coordinator. I think he needs to make some changes. I don't have the answers as to who they could be. I don't even want to speculate because people are going to move and you don't know who's going to become available, but it's clear that these guys are not working and they are not getting the most out of this talent. And so now leads to the question that I want to get to that I led the show with, which is something that we discussed about Alabama on my radio show Saturday night after they lost with my buddy, Jason Martin. I thought it was a fun topic and I want to bring it here. Alabama. We know that this has been disappointing. We know that changes are coming on the on the at the coordinator spots almost certainly. We know that Nick Saban is 71 years old. And I asked Jason Martin this question, and I'm going to ask you. I want you to close your eyes unless you're driving, then don't close your eyes. That's a bad idea. But I want you to close your eyes if you're at the polls, if you're at the gym, whatever. And I want to ask you a simple question. If I sent you to Vegas with your life savings or a substantial amount of money, And I gave you a hypothetical bet to make Alabama over or under a half a national championship before Nick Saban retires. In other words, are they going to get more than more than zero? Are they going to be at zero, one or more than one? What would you take? Are you going zero? Are you going one or more? Because I think the answer is, I I don't think it's in, let, let me put it this way. I don't think it's an easy question with an easy answer. And I think it's probably more complicated than many of you driving around or at the gym or at the park or whatever may think it to be. Now, look, if you just want to bet on Nick Saban, if I said over under a half a national championship, you say he has to win one before he retires. I'm betting on Saban. I'm not going to blame you for that. To be clear, this isn't a hot take. Saban sucks. He's lost his fastball. I think right now the only two things you can count on in the Alabama program are Nick Saban and Bryce Young. So this isn't an anti-Nick Saban rant at all. And if you want to bet on him, I don't blame you. This guy's 71 years old, but he's won seven championships, six at Alabama. um, And he's evolved and adapted every time he's needed to, right? And I think that's what's so stunning about this is he has just nailed change after change after change after change after change. And it's never impacted this program up until right now. And if you want to bet on Saban, I don't blame you. This is a guy that has won so many titles in so many different circumstances, Early 2000s, run game, defense, comes to Bama, really doesn't uh, you know, have much of an offense, relies on that defense. By the middle 2010s, transitions to offense. Then he wins a title with Tua, wins the title with Mac Jones. And so again, if you're betting on Nick Saban, I don't blame you. But I will say, I think the answer of zero before Nick Saban retires, I think it is absolutely in the cards. And really... That, to me, is what is so jarring about this specific season, right? Because this was supposed to be the season where whatever happens in the future with the state of college football, this was the team that was going to be like that final old school team, right? Remember, they're bringing back a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. They're bringing back the best defensive player in college football in Will Anderson. But more importantly, most of the core of this group was recruited in a different era of college football, as much as that sounds crazy, an era where you didn't choose schools in large part because of NIL, at least nothing above board, and an era in which you can't just leave if things don't go right. And so when you factor in all those things, I think it gets a bit more complicated. I also think it's what makes this season so disappointing. This was that old school group, grew up together, took lumps together, lost the title game together, and now they were going to win the title. It doesn't happen. But as we look ahead, I think that's where we have to start with the conversation of, is it possible that Nick Saban does not win another national championship? Because the world is changing, and I just think it's going to be harder to sustain things over an extended period of time for anybody, even the greatest who's ever done it. Listen, let's start with the NIL aspect of it, because the bottom line is we all remember that Saban-Jimbo Fisher dust-up, the Nick Saban rant last offseason. That, that, that rant was never supposed to make it out. Remember, that rant came up in a booster meeting. And so when I think about the multitude of reasons why I think Saban might not win another title, 
The first one is pretty straightforward. We now live in a world, whether what he accused Jimbo of is fair or not, we now live in a world where it the, the things that Nick Saban has been selling for the last 20 years, they are an important priority, but they're not the only priority. Facilities, resources, coaching, um, NFL track record, those things all matter. But if it comes down to the best players choosing with NIL and NIL being a huge part, I'm not saying Bama isn't going to get a bunch of guys and their fair share of guys. But what I am saying is they have their back up against the wall. And that was a big part of what Nick Saban's spiel was that night when he went after Jimbo Fisher. It wasn't to go after Jimbo Fisher because I don't think he thought the video was going to get out. It was to tell those Alabama boosters, hey, we're entering a new world and we are going to need your support. You you like winning all these games? You want to continue winning these games? Well, it's going to take your support not only on Saturdays at Bryant-Denny Stadium, but with your checkbook, with your money, and with NIL. And so one, I'm not saying Alabama can't compete, but we all know if this just turns into buying the best players, as Nick Saban attested to, there's a lot of schools that are better equipped to do it than Alabama. I've been told, I don't know all the dynamics. My understanding is that that school across uh, across the state, Auburn, is in pretty good position in an NIL world to compensate their players nicely. Obviously, Texas. Obviously, Texas A&M. Miami does not seem to be hiding how they are operating in an NIL world, at least the John Ruiz, Nigel Pack stuff. So one, NIL, I do think is going to be a factor. The other factor, which I actually think may be more important, is the transfer portal. One of the reasons that Nick Saban has been able to build this dynasty at Alabama is because of the fact that guys come in, guys buy their time, guys wait their turn, guys learn from the older players, and I don't know if that's going to happen anymore, right? We live in a world where if you don't see the field, you just bounce. You just get out of here and go to the next place. And by the way, when a kid leaves, doesn't make him a bad person, doesn't make him a bad this, a bad teammate, a bad whatever. This is the world that we live in. This is the option that they have. And anyone that takes advantage of it, I'm not going to judge them. But those years where Alabama could just build stack class on top of class on top of class, we talked about it with Georgia, Tennessee. Even Georgia's losing guys. But Alabama's lost 20-plus players since the end of last season through the portal. And so, yeah, I'm sure some of them Nick Saban wanted to go, but I'm sure many of them he wanted to keep. And they just said, I'm not waiting three years to get on the field here. So I do think that when you factor in NIL, when you factor in the transfer portal, I don't think he's going to be able to stack the talent that he once did. And I'll take it a step further. I think the college football world has flattened in terms of who Nick Saban is recruiting against. Listen, you go back five, six years. Who was he really competing against? I mean, think about the best programs in college football. USC had Clay Helen. Miami had whoever, Al Golden or Manny Diaz. You think Nick Saban is shaking his boots when he goes into a home against Manny Diaz? Uh, Georgia, pre-Kirby Smart was Mark Richt. Florida has shuffled Jim McElwain and Will Muschamp and nobody that really strikes fear into you. Well, now look across college football. I think the best programs in this sport are going to be in very good shape going forward. Brian Kelly proved he is here to stay at LSU. Kirby Smart is clearly here to stay at Georgia. USC, it's going to be harder to go to the West Coast and get guys you want, especially a quarterback that Lincoln Riley wants, as we learned this year. Remember, Bryce Young was committed to USC. Decommits ends up at Alabama. Lincoln Riley wants a quarterback on the West Coast. It's going to be hard to convince that kid to go anywhere other than USC. Even some of the school, by the way, Ryan Day at Ohio State, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. I'm not saying they recruit all the same players as Bama. I'm not saying Bama wants the guys on, you know, Michigan's too deep more than the guys that they want. I'm just saying it's more competition. And even the schools that I don't know if the head coach is going to work, they're still at least recruiters. Like Miami, I don't know if Mario Cristobal is going to work at Miami. But you can't say that he's not going to crush it on the recruiting trail. He's done it for 15 years pre-NIL. He's got a top 7-8 class with NIL. Steve Sarkeesian. I think it's going to work, but even if it doesn't, top five class with Arch Manning last year, top five class after a five and seven season. So even the schools that you don't know if the coach is going to work, they still are recruiting at a high level. And so you factor in all these things. I do think it's a, it's a, it's a factor. You know what else is a factor? There's other factors as well. One, Nick Saban, 71 years old. That's why I thought this year was so important because you had the quarterback, the coaching staff came back intact, which was maybe not a good thing. 
But you had the quarterback, you had the veterans. This was the year. Well, next year, think about it. You're going to be starting over with a quarterback that has likely never started a game for you. Jalen Milrow is the only guy on this roster that started a game. Well, guess what? We saw Jalen Milrow. I don't know that he's ready to come in and win a national championship next year. So is there somebody else on the roster? Is it Ty Simpson, a freshman this year? Do you have to go to the transfer portal? Do you have a national championship caliber quarterback on your roster? Also, I think here's another factor. We're going to an expanded playoff in a few years. So that could be one more game that you have to play and one more game that you have to win. And yeah, maybe if you're Bama and you're still Nick Saban recruiting and playing and coaching at this level. Maybe you get by Cincinnati or Oregon in round one. But now you got Ohio State and Georgia. Now you got Georgia and whoever. By the way, when I talk about all those great coaches, up-and-coming coaches, I didn't even mention Josh Heupel, who you play every year. So I'm just bringing this up to say, listen, I'm never betting against Nick Saban. But when you talk about the NIL world, when you talk about the transfer portal, when you talk about an expanded playoff, the fact that he's 71 years old and basically going to be starting from scratch next year, I think it's at least a possibility that this guy never wins another championship. All right, this is what I'm going to do. Take a quick break. I do want to come back. And when I come back, we're going to have some fun. Well, not some fun if you're a Texas A&M fan. Texas A&M season is going off the rails. They lost a five-star commit on Monday. Don't really care about the kids specifically. Not that I don't care about them, but we don't talk recruiting a lot on this show, but I think it could be a sign of what's to come these next few months for A&M. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. Listen, I've told you all about Betfred since we started with them at the start of football season. They began in the UK, 1967, one of the most respected shops in the UK, over 1,600 shops in the UK. And since they've come to the United States, they have made a major splash. They are the gambling sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals, of the Denver Broncos, of the Colorado Rockies. And what I love about Betfred is nobody does more for their customers than Betfred in the Betfred Sportsbook. Listen, I've told you all about it, but the Betfred suite at all the Cincinnati Bengals games is hopping. We, the Aaron Torres pod, have sent people to Denver Broncos VIP tailgates before their games. Uh, Mattress Mac. We were with Mattress Mac at the World Series over the last two weeks because that is what we do for our betters, and this is what we're going to do for you. Betfred has a special offer for all listeners of the Aaron Torres podcast. This is what you got to do. Download the Betfred app. Bet $50 on any game, any team, whatever you want, whoever you like. Bet 50, get 250 in free bets courtesy of Betfred. It could be NFL, college football, college basketball that has now started, NBA, whatever you want. Bet 50, get 250 in free bets, courtesy of the Betfred Sportsbook. They are the best sportsbook going. I love working with them, and I can't thank Betfred Sportsbook enough for being our presenting sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. I do want to switch gears. Want to stick with football, but kind of want to transition to some off the field news that was really interesting that popped on Monday. And so one thing about this show, we generally don't talk individual recruits in football. Now we do it in basketball because basketball players that are really good 
can have an immediate impact in year one in college basketball. College football is a little bit different. There's so many guys, and a lot of the times, even the best players don't see the field till year two or year three. So we really don't talk a ton of recruiting unless there's a piece of news that speaks to something bigger. This program's on the rise. This program's on the fall. Uh, Obviously, Jackson State was a story at this time last year or really December of last year. But there was a piece of news that kind of fits into that category that speaks to something more than just a piece of recruiting news. And it happened on Monday and involved a player named Anthony Hill, the number one linebacker in America who was committed to Texas A&M. Texas A&M, of course, struggling on the field, but off the field last year signed that historic number one recruiting class. This year in 2023, we expect the class to be much smaller. That's what happens when you sign 30 plus players. But Anthony Hill was one of the headliners of that Texas A&M 2023 recruiting class. Again, the number one ranked linebacker in all of high school football. Notice how I use the word was, though, because on Monday, Anthony Hill Jr. announced that he is decommitting from Texas A&M and reopening his college recruitment. He has already scheduled a visit to Texas. This was a guy that was recruited by Alabama, USC, Oklahoma prior to his commitment. So really good player, already setting up more visits. And I guess his father or somebody has said that he does not plan on seriously considering Texas A&M going forward. So this is a big piece of news on the field, big piece of news in recruiting. But I also do think it speaks to something much, much, much bigger. And that's this. Is this the first domino effect? Is this the first thing that we see of potentially many fallouts that happen because of the disappointing effort on the field for Texas A&M this year. Hate to say it, Aggies fans, but I think it might be. Now, in terms of the player, again, don't claim to be a recruiting expert. Not my area of expertise. You want great recruiting info. Uh, you could go a lot of places. I don't know that the Aaron Torres pod, if you want breakdowns of cornerbacks and linebackers and interior offensive linemen, I don't know that that, that this is the place to come. At the same time, though, you flip on that tape, it's pretty obvious his talent. And when you're talking about a consensus five-star player, everybody has ranked uh, as the number one ranked linebacker in the country. Again, offers from Alabama, USC, Oklahoma, Texas. This com- this decommitment for Texas A&M obviously hurts, right? Beyond that, and I hate to say it, I think it especially hurts more for reasons that, that we don't even think about. Specifically the fact that as good as that recruiting class was last year, this kid at this position, Anthony Hill linebacker, was a player that Texas A&M really needs. I mean, Texas A&M has a lot of problems right now, but I would argue the number one spot that they need to get figured out is probably in the run game or in the in run defense where they currently have the 123rd ranked rush defense nationally, last in the SEC. Yes, that is correct. The run defense this year is worse than Auburn, worse than Vanderbilt, worse than anybody in the SEC. And so that is why this decommitment hurts so much on paper. What I also think, where I think it hurts more though, is kind of in the existential big picture part of this conversation, which is what are the next four, five, six months and really four, five, six weeks more specifically maybe look like for Texas A&M. Because we all know about that elite 2022 recruiting class, not only the number one ranked class last year, but the number one ranked class in the history of high school football. We all know they came in, a ton of those guys are playing, but we do wonder with all the losses, as the losses continue to pile up in the one-time transfer world, are some of those guys going to consider leaving? That, to me, is the big picture question. We, we, we could talk about wins and losses on the field all day, and we've talked about plenty of them with Texas A&M. But I think the bigger question is, what are the effects in the locker room? What are the effects in recruiting? What are the effects off the field? And how does it impact this incredible volume of talent that Texas A&M has accumulated over the last couple of years? Because that is going to be the interesting thing going forward. We talked about it two or three weeks ago on this show. At this point for Texas A&M, For Jimbo Fisher, it's no longer about trying to salvage anything in 2022. It's simply about doing enough on the field to convince most of these highly rated five-star freshmen that they want to come back for Texas A&M for another year. Now, I would say two things to that. One, you're always going to lose kids in the portal era. That's just part of the deal. doesn't matter if you're Alabama, USC, Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, whoever. You're going to lose players. And two, I am a little bit more optimistic as to why I think they will keep these guys and at least some of them and maybe more than people think, which I'll explain in a minute. But I do think this is the story to monitor at Texas A&M. 
And the reason why is pretty straightforward. Take out all of the NIL accusations of what you think you heard. That has, I, I couldn't care less about that stuff. What I care about is this. When you recruit high-level players, that generally means that they're pretty much high-achieving in most areas of life, right? You don't get to be a five-star, can't-miss player if you don't have a great work ethic, if you don't compete at the highest level. And so that's my concern. Most of these guys came to Texas A&M being sold on the promise that they're going to compete with Alabama. They're going to be the team that topples Alabama. They're coming to take Alabama's crowd in the SEC West. Well, forget the fact that LSU may have done it in half a second under Brian Kelly, but more importantly, when you come to A&M with these visions that we're going to take down Bama eventually, and you're losing to App State, you're losing to South Carolina, no disrespect to South Carolina. I know they just clinched a bowl bid, but Texas A&M is not supposed to lose to South Carolina. You're losing the way that you're losing, which I think is equally important. O offense cannot move the ball. Defense cannot get stops. It's ugly on both sides of the ball. That becomes the thing for Jimbo Fisher. Again, you're going to lose guys. It is going to happen. It is impossible. You're no one in the modern era. If you sign 24, 25, 26, 28, 30, 31 guys, remember you can go over that 25 uh, scholarship limit. Now they've changed the rules. You're never going to bat a hundred and keep all of them in your program after one year. But the thing now for Jimbo Fisher is to make sure that he keeps the vast majority of them. Um, but this Anthony Hill sign is not a good sign that there won't be some ripple effects from everything that has happened on the field this year. Now, I will say, and I bring this up because I know it's very easy for everyone to be very anti-Texas A&M right now. But what I will say is I do think there is actually a good chance that they retain a bigger portion of this freshman class than most people expect. And let me explain why. And I know what I, anytime you say anything nice about Texas A&M, oh my God, Torres is a homer. Torres loves Texas A&M. Nope, I'm not a homer. I'm not a Texas A&M fan, whatever. I just try to be fair in all areas. And I do think there are a few reasons that I believe that A&M will be able, the guys that are on campus, and I can't speak to the kids that are committed. They're, it's a smaller class in 2023. But in terms of the guys that are on campus, I do feel pretty good that Jimbo Fisher will be able to keep a fair amount of them, or at least more than people expect for a few reasons. One, it's because they're all playing. Like Jimbo Fisher talked about it a few days ago. He said, you know, you guys see losses on the field and we're frustrated. It's also a great recruiting pitch. Hey, come here and you can play. And part of the reason that Texas A&M is struggling, they are so beat up with injuries. They are so worn down. And I know, oh my God, if I say anything that defends Jimbo Fisher, that means I love Texas A&M. No, but they're down to their third string quarterback, three starting offensive linemen out for the year. You could go on and on and on and on and on. But I bring it up because I am blown away when I turn on Texas A&M on Saturdays. How many of those guys in that 2022 recruiting class are on the field right now? Again, don't claim to be a recruiting expert, but I got to know the names during the cycle last year when Texas A&M was making history, and they're basically all seeing the field right now. Evan Stewart, top wide receiver in the 2022 recruiting class. Well, guess who Texas A&M's uh, top wide receiver, or at least the number two wide receiver is right now? Leads the team in catches, leads the team in yards, two total touchdown catches this year. He's their best wide receiver. You know, him and Moose Muhammad are 1-1-A, whatever, doesn't matter. He leads the team in receptions. Le'Veon Moss, a running back in last year's class, is getting big-time uh, carries, especially the last couple weeks. Um on the defensive front, Shamar Stewart, Walter Nolan, these are five-star names that people got to know. Anthony Lucas, Anai White, all these guys are playing. Every time I turn out a game, more and more of them are on the field. Defensive backfield, Smoke Bowie, uh, J Jacoby Matthews. The kid Jared Kerr had an incredible game on Saturday. He was one of the lowest-ranked true freshmen in this class. He's even playing, and playing well, I might add. And so I bring it up because, one, if you're looking for optimism as an A&M fan today, a lot of these kids are playing and it makes it harder to transfer. The number one reason you transfer after your freshman year, you're probably homesick and you're not playing. Well, all these guys are playing. So that's a good sign Two, I think it's important to note. We'll find out probably this weekend and at least over the last three games of the season. I do think A&M has their quarterback though in Connor Wegman. Okay. And it's tough to know because he played well in that one game against Ole Miss 
Then he does not play. Uh, then unfortunately he did not play because of uh, because of the flu last weekend. But I think he's the answer. And if you have the quarterback, and if you can sell that in the future, then I do think that makes other guys want to come back. If they believe that that galvanizing force, that the quarterback, that that most important position is set, I think it makes it more likely that a lot of these guys stay. And finally, I'll say this. Shout out to your boy Torres, okay? So what what I want to talk about now, on Saturday during the AM Florida game, I sent out a tweet that, you know, I didn't really think anything of it when I sent it out, but I sent it out. And it got crazy viral response. And it was just a positive thing about Texas A&M. Didn't say it to support Jimbo Fisher. Didn't they say it to support A&M? But what I tweeted was this. This was during the Florida game, early in the game, before anything had happened. I turn on the game, 11 a.m. kick, and there's every seat is taken. So here's what I tweeted out the other day. I said, I know everyone wants to crap on all things Texas A&M. This is my tweet now. But having 100,000 people in their seats for an 11 a.m. kickoff against a bad Florida team in the middle of this season? Well, it might be a sign why, and I know it's going to sound crazy, good players want to play at Texas A&M. And so this tweet kind of went viral. A&M fans loved it. Everybody else made fun of it. Surprise, surprise. But what was interesting to me, and maybe it means nothing, maybe it means something. You know who saw that tweet? A lot of Texas A&M players. You know who liked the tweet or shared the tweet or retweeted the tweet? A lot of Texas A&M players. And so if you're looking for a positive sign, I think a lot of these young guys are trying to block out the noise. I saw Evan Stewart, that star wide receiver. I tweeted it. He shared it. He said FR, which I think means for real. I hope it means for real. Otherwise, I'm going to look like an idiot. But other guys shared it. Other guys liked it. Other guys tweeted it. And so I bring it up to say, I do think the guys in that locker room are trying to push out the negativity. Bad day because of Anthony Hill. But what is interesting about Texas A&M? It really does come down to what happens with this team over the next five, six weeks. If you're Jimbo Fisher, the number one recruiting priority, it's not some you know linebacker or running back or quarterback in the class of 2023. It's not getting ahead on 2024. It is keeping the guys in that locker room on your roster because there is a lot of talent in that locker room, a lot of young talent, but you can't lose it to the portal. I just want to do take a quick break, come back. And when we come back, I think it's time to talk a little college hoops. Season started on Monday. Some reaction to some stuff that we saw. Oh, by the way, I will also give my final four, my national championship picks. Going to take a quick break. Going to be right back. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back the sponsor of our Aaron Torres Pod NFL Pick'em Challenge, Bracket Fanatics. Here's the deal. I've told you about Bracket Fanatics before, but I am going to tell you again. We worked with them in the NCAA tournament each of the last two years. I love working with them. And what I love about Bracket Fanatics, they are just giving away cold hard cash to listeners of the Aaron Torres Pod. We are running a weekly NFL Pick'em Pool. We are giving out weekly winners a $100 cash prize, and a season-long $1,000 cash prize for the person who has the most correct picks over the course of the season. If you have not signed up, I know week nine is done, but it is not too late, okay? Which what you got to do? Go to BracketFanatics.com. Join Bracket. The Bracket name is Taurus. Now, look, you're going to have some ground to make up in the season-long $1,000 cash prize, but you can still do it. I got faith in you. I really feel like you're going to be able to handle it. But, if you haven't signed up, do it now um, because you could still be entered to win the $1,000 season-long cash prize, and we're handing out $100 weekly winners, so even if you haven't signed up yet, you can take advantage of that for the next nine weeks of the NFL regular season. Go to BracketFanatics.com, join Bracket, Bracket Name Taurus. If you have not signed up yet, it is not too late, and if you have signed up, make sure to make your Week 10 picks. Love working with Bracket Fanatics. BracketFanatics.com, join Bracket, Bracket Name Taurus. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No. 
purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. And I do want to go ahead and wrap with actually some college hoops. Because believe it or not, Monday night was the opening night of college hoops. Yes, the actual regular season tipped off on Monday night. And if you were not totally aware, well, there's a good reason. It is because I've never seen a sport put on a less impressive opening night. So we had all top 25 teams in action, okay? We had all top 25 teams in action. The problem was there were no matchups of top 25 teams. As a matter of fact, I'll take it a step further and tell you this. Not only was there no matchups of top 25 teams, there was no matchups of power conference opponents. In college basketball, we call it the power six, the power five, the ACC, SEC, Big 10, Big 12, Pac-12, plus the Big East. We didn't even have a matchup of a power six conference versus power six conference. So to be clear, I understand why this happened. So traditionally college basketball starts off with the champions classic. That's that four team event, Kentucky, Duke, Michigan state, Kansas this year, because the first Tuesday of what would be the college basketball calendar falls on election day, they decided to push the champions classic back. But at the same time, could we not get one entertaining game on the opening night of college basketball? Could we not get Gonzaga to schedule somebody? Somebody couldn't have convinced Gonzaga to fly cross country and play them. Somebody couldn't have convinced, uh, you know, whoever. I don't know. But I am blown away by the fact that nobody thought, you know what? Maybe we'll put on an interesting game here on the opening night of college basketball. But I don't want to complain because we did get games. And what I really want to do is break this segment into two parts. What I want to do, just very quickly react to some things that I saw. I'm not going to spend a ton of time over analyzing, well, this team looked here and I didn't like their pick and roll defense. Like, that's not what we're going to do. Just some quick reactions on about six or seven teams. And then what I want to do, because I have not done it yet, I want to make my official season picks. I'm going to give you my final four picks, my national championship pick. There's going to be some pr- surprises in there. And I'll give you a few teams that I also like that I don't quite have there. And I'll explain some of the other teams as to why I do not like them as much in the race. So let's get into just some odds and ends from the night. Um, you know, again, nothing super marquee that immediately caught my eye. Um, I'll tell you what, we'll start with something very obvious. I'll say this. Two teams that I was actually very impressed by, Duke and Villanova. Why am I putting them together? Well, it's because both lost Hall of Fame coaches. Villanova, Jay Wright retires. Duke, obviously Coach K. For Villanova, I'll be honest. They were a team that coming into this year I had questions about. And obviously, look, we will see what happens. It's opening night. You don't want to overreact. But this is a team that not only lost a Hall of Fame head coach in Jay Wright, they lost the two-time Big East Player of the Year in Colin Gillespie, Their best returning player, Justin Moore, may be out for the season with an Achilles injury he suffered in the Elite Eight. Uh, Their best freshman, who's also their best NBA draft prospect, Cam Whitmore, is hurt. And they came out, and I watched most of this game. They looked exactly like Villanova. Every other Villanova team I've ever seen. Four starters in double figures. Caleb Daniels, one of their returnees, six three-pointers made, 24 points. And they just kind of look like Villanova. A lot of pump fakes, a lot of ball movement, a lot of passing, a lot of cutting. They beat LaSalle by 13, and obviously Villanova, things are going to get tougher. They play Michigan State next week, and then they go out to that PK-80 event, PK-85 event. Remember, we have the PK-85, the Phil Knight event, 
Villanova will be in a bracket with, uh, I believe, UConn, uh, Oregon, Alabama, North Carolina. So we're going to learn a lot about Villanova in the coming 10, 10, week, 10 days to two weeks. But I'm just telling you, I was actually very impressed. They looked exactly like Villanova. You wouldn't have known Jay Wright wasn't there. And listen, I'll give credit where it's due as well. I thought Duke actually looked really good as well. And the thing with Duke is like, look, I get it. It's John Shire. What do we really know? All that. And he did bring in the number one recruiting class in the country, which is like important to note. What is also important to note is the two best players in that class did not play on Monday night. Derek Lively and Derek Whitehead, neither was available. It did not matter. Like Villanova, four starters scoring in double figures, led by Mark Mitchell, one of those five-star freshmen, 18 points. Jeremy Roach, the only returning player from last year's team, actually looking very good in this game as well. So credit to Duke, 71-44, they beat Jacksonville. Don't claim to know how good the Jacksonville Dolphins are, but I thought for night one with John Shire, with two key players out, they looked really good. What will be interesting to see with Duke is obviously what happens next week when they go to the Champions Classic. They will they will open with Kansas. Remember, Kansas does not have Bill Self right now, who is currently suspended. Speaking of the Champions Classic, one of the other teams that will be playing in that event, it is Kentucky. And Kentucky, you know, I'll be honest, maybe in some ways it was better that we didn't get the marquee signature event on opening night because Duke was without two key players. Kentucky was without several key players, including their starting point guard, Severe Wheeler, and more importantly, a national player of the year, Oscar Shibway. With that said, they took care of business against Howard. They won by 32. And I think if you're a Kentucky fan, what you have to feel good about, the three-point shooting was excellent. This has been a problem up and down late last year. The three-point shot kind of disappeared. Well, Kentucky shoots 11 of 24. How about six three-pointers for Antonio Reeves, the transfer from Illinois State, C.J. Frederick, uh, Kentucky kid, played high school ball in Kentucky. He's technically from Cincinnati, but you get the point. Played at Iowa, transferred to Kentucky, missed all of last year, comes back, has 20 points, and looks awesome. And then my guy Jacob Toppin, 15 points, 11 rebounds, two blocks, or two assists, two steals. I think this kid has all-American potential written all over him. Really excited to see Kentucky uh, next week in against Michigan State in the Champions Classic. By the way, speaking of Michigan State, I don't think I've mentioned this. I will actually be at the Michigan State-Gonzaga game on Friday night on the aircraft carrier. So really excited for that one. Uh, but Kentucky takes care of business. Again, I don't think there's a ton to take away. Kaysen Wallace, the, the five-star freshman, I thought looked really good as well. 15 points, nine assists. Credit to him, man. No severe wheeler. He stepped in. He handled the ball. I think that is a great sign for Kentucky going forward. Some other teams that stood out really quickly. I'll just say this. You know, we're going to get to my final four picks in a minute. But I love, I truly love the Houston Cougars. How about my Cougars? You know, I love me some Cougars. But the thing about Houston, they are just a team that wants to rip out your heart and eat it a lot. Like that's how they play. That's who they are. How about this for an opening night performance? They win 83 to 36 in a game where they held the opponent to 36 points on 25% shooting from the field. This is a real team. Like they played a division one team and held them to 36 points in this game. And that's who they're going to be all year. That's how they play defense. Now, offensively, they're really good. Marcus Sasser was out late last year. Uh, but is back and looks really good. 80, um, 21 points for him. I think he is a potential All-American. We're going to talk about Houston in a minute. Wink, wink, nod, nod when I get to my final four picks. Uh, a couple other teams that stood out. Listen, Arkansas, we've talked a lot about him over the course of the offseason. Got to give credit where it's due. Nick Smith Jr., a potential top five pick, was out. And guess what? They showed exactly the depth that they are going to have. Remember, we talked all offseason. What have I said all offseason about Arkansas? I've said, this is a team that has three McDonald's All-Americans. They have six top 100 players, but they also have a couple transfers that I believe can have instant impact on this team for the Razorbacks this coming season. And so what happens on Tuesday, on Monday night? There is no Nick Smith. Anthony Black, the freshman, unfortunately goes out with, it looked like he rolled his ankle. He seemed to be okay. So what happens? Two of the transfers Ricky Council, 22 points. He had a sick dunk, let me tell you that. 21 points, 12 rebounds for Trevon Brazil. And I do think as much as I like the freshmen, I think it's going to be those older guys that really step up and are going to be keys for this team. 
Trevon Brazil specifically is a guy that I think is going to play his way into the first round. When you have 21 points and 12 boards, by the way, six, uh, three three-pointers made for that, that kid as well. This is a team that is going to be awesome, but I think they're going to look a little bit different than we thought. We spent so much time hyping up the freshmen. I'm telling you, those two transfers, Trevon Brazil, Ricky Council are the names to watch there. They looked awesome. Uh, a couple other news and notes. You know, my UConn Huskies look pretty good. Listen, I'm a UConn guy. I just, I like this team. There's nothing else for me to say other than that. I think this team is really, really, really good. Um, and when I when I look at UConn, um, great opening night performance. They score 85 points and a win. The concern is that I mentioned this a few weeks ago, their best player, Andre Jackson, went out, uh, um, is going to miss the start of the season with a thumb injury. And their second best player, Jordan Hawkins, who's also projected by many to be a first round pick, he left less than 10 minutes into this game. I believe he hit his head. I don't know if it's officially a concussion. I don't didn't see exactly what happened in real time. But man, you talk about an injury bug for a team. UConn right now just can't catch a break. They had all sorts of injuries last year. This year, your best player is out to start the season. Your second best player gets hurt with a concussion. Not good news. Not good news at all. From the UConn perspective, two guys that stood out to me. One, uh, true freshman Donovan Klingen is from Connecticut, about seven foot two. I thought this kid played really, really, really well. Finished the game. Uh, his his debut, 9.7 rebounds. 11 points for Hassan Diara, a transfer guard from Texas A&M. I think he's going to be really good for that team. Uh, you know, other scores, Auburn takes care of business. Kansas takes care of business. TCU uh, wins by one. And I will say this, uh, I am recording in real time. It looks as though Arizona is slowly starting to run away from their opponent. Arizona is a team that I think is probably a little bit undervalued this year. They obviously lost the three three top 40 or so picks in Dale and Terry, Benedict Matherin, who has been awesome, by the way, in the NBA, and Christian Coloco. But Tommy Lloyd, man, he's got that system humming. He's got that system going. And you look at this team right now, um, you know, big opening night for Azulis Tubelis, a returnee, big opening night for Umar Balo, move the ball, passing, cutting, assists, all that good stuff. Uh, Arizona looked really good on opening night. With that said, I do want to switch gears really quickly before we get out of here. And I do want to give you my official season long picks. Um, I do this every year. I put it on the record. There is no hiding. There is no ducking. I want to give you my preseason final four and national championship picks normally do it before the season starts. Unfortunately, this year, the season started on a Monday and I'm sorry, we're talking Bama LSU on a Monday show. So it's going to have to wait for Tuesday. But what I want to do now, I want to give you my final four national championship picks. I'll tell you who I leave off and why, but let's get to my final four. First off, the two teams that make it to Houston in the final four, but don't play for a championship. Drum roll, please. Number four, you're not going to believe it. It's the TCU Horned Frogs. Now, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, Torres, I think I saw they almost lost on Monday night. I don't care about that. So what you need to know about TCU is this. Okay, so TCU, fascinating team. So they they play in the Big 12. They were a tournament team last year. And if you remember, they go to the tournament and they almost and maybe should have beaten Arizona. They play Arizona down the wire. There's a questionable call in the final minute. Arizona scores at the buzzer to force overtime. Win comes out of the sales. TCU loses. But why I like this team is a few reasons. Is one, they basically bring back everybody. Top six scores. Their best player is a kid by the name of Mike Miles. Could have gone to the NBA. Decided to come back this year. But they have all the pieces, all the parts. Top six scores back there. Good down low. Eddie Lampkin, that guy that terrorized Arizona in the NCAA tournament is back. Really good defensive team. And the other thing is, I think this is one team, and we're going to talk about another one in a minute, that I think everybody assumes, well, they had one good game in the tournament. No, they really played about a good five weeks of basketball to end the year. And it was funny because I actually had to interview Jamie Dixon for something over the summer. And we talked a little bit about last year's team. And one thing that he told me, I said, when did you feel like, okay, my team turned a corner. Okay, my team this. Okay, my team that. And what he said was, honestly, he's like, I like my team all along. He goes, the problem is when you play in the Big 12, and it's kind of like this with SEC football. I'm sure it's like this with SEC baseball, maybe SEC basketball as well. 
He's like, there's so many good teams. There's no off nights that you just can't get on that five, six, seven, eight game winning streak to give you confidence. The league is too tough. And so he said, I always like my team, but we'd win two. Then we'd run into Baylor. We'd win another three. And then we'd run into Kansas. We'd win one. Then we'd play Iowa state at Iowa state. And he just said, we could never get into a rhythm, but I always liked my guys. Well, over the final two, three weeks of the regular season, they, they beat Kansas at home. Keep in mind, Kansas goes on to win the national championship. It was actually fun fact. Feel free to use it. Your next uh, cocktail party. You know, who was the last team to beat Kansas last year before they went on the run to a national championship? It was TCU. And then a few days later, TCU goes to Fog Allen Fieldhouse and almost beats them there. So they were playing really well. They go back to the tournament and this year they return everybody. And I think I shared this story earlier, but the thing about it is when you return everybody, it just gets you so ahead of schedule when it comes to preparation for the season. I know they didn't look good on Monday night, but I was told by somebody close to that program, not Jamie Dixon in that interview I shared, he goes, our offense is already installed. Our defense is already installed. We already like the guys know what we got to do. And he's like, we just scrimmage every once in a while. And when we scrimmage, these guys are ready to kill each other because they know each other. They, they you know, they want to play somebody else. And so I think they came out a little flat on opening night. They did beat Arkansas Pine Bluff, uh, you know, in a close game that they easily could have lost. They were also without one of their best players, Damian Baugh. But I look at that team and I just think that is a team. Tournament experience, tough, all the pieces, play defense. I have TCU going to that school's first ever Final Four. Let's stay with the teams that will make the Final Four but not compete or win a national championship. I have UCLA, the UCLA Bruins, okay? And I know what a few th things you're going to say. One, you're going to say, Torres, you liked them last year and they stunk with Johnny Juzang. Couple thoughts, deep breath. Let's take a deep breath and let's talk it out, okay? So UCLA was coming off of a Final Four last year, comes into the, the following season. They were really good. They beat Villanova early, which made a Final Four. They beat Arizona, one of Arizona's three or four regular season losses. Um, but UCLA's problem was pretty, pretty straightforward. They just could never get into a rhythm because they had injuries and they had a month-long COVID pause. Remember those things that happened last year. And so UCLA loses Johnny Juzang, but I'm more interested in who they bring back. They bring back Jaime Hockeys, who could be a first-round NBA draft pick. He was basically playing on one ankle last year and averaged 13 points and six rebounds per game. They bring back a kid named Jalen Clark, good wing. They bring back Tiger Campbell, the fourth-year starter at point guard. Think about what I just said. Fourth-year starter in one program for one coach in college basketball is unheard of, and he's good. Now, on top of that, you had two superstar freshmen, Amari Bailey, the guard, super explosive, I think he's a little bit underrated coming into this year. His whole junior season was basically canceled because of COVID out in California. His senior season, he has injuries. He's really good. I think he ends up as a first rounder. And then Adem Bona, Kentucky fans will remember him. He was recruited down to the wire to Kentucky, commits to UCLA. I think I shared this nugget, but Sean Farnham, I was on Sean Farnham's radio show on Sirius the other day. And Sean Farnham said, this guy reminds me of a young Amari Stoudemire. Okay, you can't get much better compliment than that. So that is who UCLA has, and I just look at them. And I think for all the talk last year that they were somehow a disappointment, this is a team that, remember, they were basically a defensive stop against North Carolina from beating them in the Sweet 16. They would have played St. Peter's to go to back-to-back -back Final Fours. They're really good. I have UCLA in my Final Four alongside TCU. National Championship runner-up. Drum roll, please. Houston Cougars. How about my Cougars? Love my Cougars. We already talked about them a minute ago, but listen, what Kelvin Sampson's done at Houston is absolutely incredible, okay? This was a program, we all know about the 80s, Five Slamma Jamma. For 35 years, after Five Slamma Jamma, they were completely irrelevant, completely irrelevant, okay? He comes there, dead program, last four NCAA tournaments, this is what they've done. Lost on a buzzer beater to go to the Sweet 16 in 2018. Lose on a near buzzer beater in the Sweet 16 against Kentucky Tyler Hero in 2019. Otherwise, they would have gone to the Elite Eight. Go to the Final Four in 2021. Remember, there's no NCAA tournament. And then last year, remember, they made the Elite Eight. They lost to Villanova. They beat Arizona, number one seed in the Sweet 16. They go to the Elite Eight without their two best players who were injured to start to, at the end of the year. Tremont Mark, Marcus Sasser get hurt in December. They have to play without their two best players. They go to the Elite Eight. Well, both those guys are back. Front court is good. Uh, Terrence Arsenault is a wing to know. 
Uh, Jairus Walker is a forward to know. And I just love everything about him. I think they're tough. They're physical. They're experienced. They have good guard play. I think Marcus Sasser, if he played for a better team, would be in the running for National Player of the Year. I think he's a guy kind of like Ochai Abaji from Kansas last year that by the end of the season, we'll be talking about him as a top 15 pick. I love Houston. I love the way they play defense. We just talked about it. They gave up 36 points on opening night. Um, and when I look at this Arizona, or when I look at this Houston team, I'm just telling you, man, I'm just telling you with this Houston team, they are going to want to rip out your soul when they play you. Well, what happened on opening night? They give up 36 points. I love Houston. Finally, my national champion, a lot of good teams still out there. Drum roll, please. The North Carolina Tar Heels. North Carolina, remember, made the national championship game last year. Easily could have beaten Kansas. They were up at halftime, I believe. And then they they run out of gas, win the, end up as the national runner-up, bring back four starters off that team, plus add Pete Nance, the transfer from Northwestern. And I know what some of you are going to say, Torres, they just got hot in the NCAA tournament. They just got hot in the NCAA. No, they didn't. Last two months of the season, after the first loss to Duke, they go 13-3 and in the final two months of the season. That includes going to Cameron Indoor. Remember, they beat Coach K in his final home game. We had Ken Jong crying in the streets there. Uh, beat Duke in that game. They beat Baylor in the NCAA tournament, the reigning national champion. And then they beat Duke in the final four again. They were 13-3 and in their final 16. Bring back four starters. I think Caleb Love could be a first-team All-American National Player of the Year as well. Armando Baycott, remember, back-to-back 20 rebound games in the NCAA tournament was basically playing on one leg in the title game. I just love everything about this team. And one thing that I found, all these guys came back. They came back because of NIL and all these other things. They came back to win a national championship. These guys could all be making money in professional basketball right now. Now, I think NIL helps, but they came back to win a national championship, and I do believe North Carolina will be the national champion. A couple other teams that I left out. You know, people are going to ask, well, what about Kentucky? I love Kentucky. I think this is Kentucky's best shot yet to get back to the first Final Four since 2015. I just can't trust a team where two of your key players, Severe Wheeler and C.J. Frederick, are constantly hurt. I hope they're healthy. I hope they're fine. I hope I'm wrong. I hope somebody clips this off and makes me look like an idiot three months from now. Nothing would make me happier. But when you have those two guys that have shown over the course of their careers they can't stay healthy, I can't bet on you. Arkansas, I think they could get to the Final Four as well. A lot of freshmen playing big minutes, big experience. I'm curious how Coach Muss handles that roster. I think they'll figure it out. I know that they'll figure it out as a matter of fact. Um, And if they end up in Houston, like Kentucky, it wouldn't surprise me. But a lot of young players, it's going to take time. The one thing with Arkansas, I'll warn you, it's going to take some time. It's not going to happen overnight. I know that they took care of business on opening night, but they have a lot of young players that they got to get up to speed. Uh, Tennessee, it's just the Rick Barnes factor. I think Tennessee could surprise people win the SEC, but Rick Barnes is the factor there. Duke, it feels like they're just too young with too young of a head coach. Uh, Creighton, I like a lot. Wouldn't surprise me to see them in Houston, but that is my official Final Four. A little crazy, a little quirky. Carolina over Houston, UCLA over TCU. Remember, by the way, the Final Four is in Houston. So you're going to see a lot of red, a lot of Cougars. Love me some Cougars. See a lot of Cougars in that Final Four. TCU, of course, is right down the road in Fort Worth. But that is my Final Four. That is my national championship pick. Feel free to make fun of me all season long because it probably will not end up being right. All right, with that said, I think it's time for me to get out of here. What an episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. As the old saying goes, did AT do it again or did AT do it again? If you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. I will be back on Thursday with a new episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Time for me to go. Shout out to Tor Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. 
Shout out to JJ Reddick, you FN. Unblock me, bro. I'll be back Thursday. New episode. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.